Are you guys in a fight today? And then maybe a struggle with stress? And maybe just a lot of pressure, problems? Maybe you're going through a really tough fight right now. Everybody has a fight. Because every day of life, there's always some battles to face. But the good news is, we fight our battles not alone, but with the God of the universe, with his angel army, and with his strength. So let's just thank him today that, that he's here and he knows the battle you're facing. I don't know what you're going through, but he does. And he has the power to win the battle because he's already won the war. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your presence here with us. And I thank you that you're right there with everyone within the sound of my voice. Even those on the other side of the world, Lord, worshiping with us through our online campus. And, but I just pray today that you would do something miraculous in all of our lives, that you would open up our eyes to truly see just a glimpse of how great and powerful you are and how you are for us and how you fight for us and how your angel army, Lord, surrounds us. How encouraging that is. Lord, I know there's some who are fighting the greatest battle of their lives and they're just wondering if they're gonna be able to keep standing. Lord, encourage them today. Speak directly to their hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Billy Graham once told of a celebrated Philadelphia neurologist who went to bed after a really tiring day only to be awakened in the middle of the night with a knock at the door. He opened the door and he found a little girl who was poorly dressed and visibly upset. She said her mother was terribly ill and asked the doctor to come see her. Well, he hurriedly grabbed his coat and he followed the little girl into the cold winter night. And he found the woman with a severe case of pneumonia and he said, it's a good thing I got to you and he was able to arrange for medical care. And he complimented the woman on the persistence of her young daughter to which the woman was shocked and she said, my daughter died over a month ago, but I still keep her clothes in that closet. Well, amazed and baffled, the doctor went over to the closet, he opened the door and he found the very coat worn by the little girl who led him to the house. But the coat was warm and dry and couldn't have possibly been worn out on that cold winter night. Could it have been an angel? Could it have been an angel that led this doctor to the home to help this woman, an angel appearing as the young daughter. John G. Patton, the pioneer missionary to the New Hebrides Islands, often told this story of divine protection and divine intervention. He said, one night a warring tribe gathered around the mission headquarters. They surrounded it with the intent of burning down the mission and killing his family. So they prayed all through that terrible night, and in the morning, they looked out, and the tribe was gone. All the attackers had left, and they thanked God for the deliverance, but about a year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christianity, and John G. Patton asked him, why didn't you kill us when you had the chance that night? And he said, it was the hundreds of men that you had surrounding the mission in shining garments with swords drawn. And the missionary said, it was just me and my family. Could it have been angels? Could it have been 
a host of angels that God sent to protect the missionary and his family. Well, we're in this series that I'm calling Fight to the Finish as we're looking at the spiritual fight that's going on all around us all the time. The Bible tells us there's this whole supernatural world that we cannot see with our physical eyes, but it's very real. There's a cosmic clash of forces between good and evil, God versus Satan, angels versus demons, that is going on all around us at every moment, but usually we're totally oblivious to it. But this weekend, we're looking at how God's angels join us in fighting the battles and the struggles that we face in life. There have been several times in my life where I felt that God may have sent an angel to protect me and my family or to direct me. Chris and I have had several of what we would call defining moments in our lives where we believe God may have sent an angel to open a door that no one else could open. And sometimes we believe God sent an angel to shut a door as we were walking through it and we look back years later or even months later and sometimes days later and we see it was only God's protection and it was God's grace. You see, I I want us to see what God's word has to say about angels because God's word has a lot to say about angels. There were 300 references to angels in scripture The Bible tells us that heaven is real and angels are real. Now, if you're a Christ follower, you'll go to heaven one day, but you're not going to be an angel. A lot of people think when we get to heaven, we'll be angels with angels' wings. No, you won't be an angel. God already has enough angels. You'll be the same person. People will be able to recognize you in heaven. It's just you'll have a new and perfect body. So that means you may not be able to recognize me because I'll have a full head of hair. Believe me. You may look at me and go, I don't, he looks a little like Pastor Carey. I can't be Pastor Carey. I mean, it's so funny because every once in a while I, I'm out and about and someone will say, you just look, you look just like that Pastor Carey, you know, from Woodlands Church. And, and, and they say, I thought I saw you yesterday. Any bald guy, that, that looks like Pastor Carey, you know? And so you're not going to recognize me, but everyone else will be able to recognize you Heaven is real, angels are real. In fact, the Bible says right now there are millions of angels doing what we're doing here today, worshiping Christ. So I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter five, and would you stand in honor of God's word? Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. You can be seated. Angels are real, but I want us to see what the Bible has to say about what they are, what they do, and how we as Christ followers can respond to them and cooperate with them and their assignment here on this earth. So what is an angel? Well, first, they're God's messengers. In fact, the word in the Greek for angel is angelos, which literally means messenger. So the word angel means messenger. Angels are God's messengers. And many times throughout scripture, we see God sending an angel to give his message to people. 
God sent the angel Gabriel to give his message to Mary that she would be the mother of the Christ child. God sends his angels all through scripture to give the message that God wants to give. And so angels are God's messengers. And I believe sometimes God sends angels to give us little signs, a little bit of encouragement, God's message to us. Sometimes God sends an angel to give you a little sign when you're going through a very difficult time just to remind you that God knows, that God cares, that God knows what you're going through and God is going to get you through. Sometimes it's a little sign that would mean nothing to everyone else, but it means everything to you. It's a personal sign, a message from God sent through one of his angels. Now, you know it's not an angel if that message goes against God's word because God's angels never go against God's word. But so many times those little mini miracles, those little messages that God sends to give us encouragement. So they're God's messengers and they're also God's ministers. It says in Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So angels were created by God before the creation of the world. And they were created to serve God, to minister to God, and to minister for God to those who are Christ followers. And so God created the angels before he created the world. And since God created the angels for him and for us through God, we are not to worship angels. In fact, the Bible warns against it. In Colossians 2.18, it says, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. So we're not to worship angels. We're not to pray to angels. We're to worship God. We're to pray to God because the angels worship God. God doesn't worship the angels. There's only one God, and he created it all, and we're all to worship him. All creation is to worship God. We're never to worship creation. Some people today worship creation. Sometimes they worship themselves. Humanists worship themselves. That's God's creation. You never worship God's creation. You worship the creator. You're amazed at God's creation so many times. You protect God's creation and the beauty that God has created, but you never worship it because we only have one God and we worship God. So God created angels as his messengers and as his ministers and sometimes as his military to fight against evil and to fight for us who are Christ followers. Before the universe was created, there was this great war in heaven, this cosmic clash that happened way before God created the world. And Revelation, in chapter 12, it tells about it. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So it says that Michael and his angels fought against Satan and his angels. And Michael, by the way, is referred to as the archangel, which simply means chief angel. But the Bible also implies that Satan was an archangel, 
before he rebelled against God and was kicked out of heaven. So there was this great war in heaven before the world was created, and it was the this rebellion that happened in heaven as Satan and all of his angels, which are now demons, Satan and all of his angels fought against God and his angels. And Satan rebelled against God because he wanted to be God. He was blinded by his pride. The Bible says that the devil is a beautiful angel of light, a powerful and beautiful angel of light who tried to be God, who wanted to be God and rebelled against God. And God kicked him out of heaven. The Bible says that this rebellion was taken care of and the devil and his fallen angels were hurled down to this earth and kicked out of heaven. Now, most people, when they think of the devil and demons, they think that the devil is in hell because he likes it in hell. He loves being in hell, this terrible place. The devil just loves that. I mean, some like it hot and the devil's one of them. He loves being in hell, but that's not true. The devil doesn't wanna be in hell, but one day, God will cast him into hell. The scripture says hell was reserved for the devil and his angels. And so one day at the end of time, God is going to cast Satan and all his fallen angels into hell, their eternal punishment. But the devil doesn't wanna be in hell. He's been hurled down to earth and so he's here on this earth as God has allowed him to be on this earth for this time and to wreak havoc on the earth. It says he is the deceiver of all the world. He leads the whole world astray. And so he is the liar who tells us that we can be like God. We can call our own shots. We don't need God in our lives. And we can do what we feel like, what we want to. And, and it leads us astray and leads us into destruction. And so one day he's gonna be cast in hell, but he doesn't wanna be there. And the Bible says right now that he's wreaking havoc and trying to destroy lives and to kill passion and to steal away purpose and meaning, and he's doing all this because the scripture says he knows that his time on earth is short, and one day soon he'll be cast into hell. So there's this spiritual battle that is going on all around us between angel warriors and Satan and his fallen angels. But the angel warriors God uses to protect us from Satan's fallen angels. And here's the good news about this whole cosmic clash that's going on all around you that usually you're oblivious to. Here's the good news. Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we know that Satan is on a leash, uh, that he doesn't have any power in our lives unless we allow him to. We know that he's like a lame duck politician who's been voted out of office, but yet he's serving out the end of his term and he's trying to wreak havoc to do whatever he can. But really? The war is over. When Christ died and rose again, he defeated sin and death and Satan and hell itself, and he has won the war, and that's so good to know. We have to understand, if you're a Christ follower, you gotta understand that you win, that Christ has already won the war. All we have to do is to stand in his victory, and we talked about that last week. Satan's a defeated foe. Christ defeated Satan when he died upon the cross and rose from the grave to prove that he was who he said he was. So the war is over, but as long as you're on this earth, and as long as the enemy's on this earth, there will be battles to fight. 
but we can stand in Christ's victory knowing that we have protection from God's angel warriors who surround us, who protect us, who watch over us. And that's so encouraging. Now, I want us to look at what angels do for us. First, they do protect us. In Psalm 91:11, it says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Focus on the two words there, protect you. It's good to know that we have heavenly protection around us. If you're a Christ follower, you have heavenly protection around you all the time. If you're a believer, God has put this unseen protective bubble around you. And the scripture says that the enemy is always shooting fiery arrows at you all the time. He's trying to wound your heart. He's trying to hurt your passion, to destroy your relationships. He's constantly shooting those fiery arrows at you and thousands of them just bounce off because of that protective edge around you and those angels of protection that are watching over that protective edge, that bubble. You see, you have these angels of protection all around you and they are, you know, with their shields, knocking away those fiery arrows that are coming at you constantly. And usually we're oblivious to that. I mean, a lot of times there's no way that we can know or see all those fiery arrows that are coming at us that never touch us because of those angels that are protecting us and around us. I mean, you may drive to work and get to work and not even think anything of it, but if you would have left just five minutes earlier or five minutes later, you'd have been in a terrible car wreck where the angels were protecting you. They were protecting you from Satan's schemes and those fiery arrows. And so thousands upon thousands of them come at you and they just bounce off because God is protecting you. But every once in a while, God will move one of his angels aside and open up that protective bubble and one of the enemy's fiery arrows will come in and they will hit you. And that's when it doesn't make sense to us. God, why did you allow that evil into my life? Why did you allow that pain? Why did you allow that tragedy? Why did you allow that in my life? This makes no sense, God. You're a loving God, and yet this is an awful thing. Why did you allow this? Those are the times where Satan wants to fill us with doubt, that God is a good God, and that God knows what he's doing, and that God cares, and that God has the power to protect us. But God still has a plan, and God wants you to know that he is going to guide you and he's gonna strengthen you. And even when you don't understand what God is doing, when he allows that angel to move back and Satan hits us and wounds us, that God still has a purpose, that God still has a plan and ultimately it's for your good and his glory. But some of those things we won't understand until we get to heaven. Some we'll understand a couple of years down the road and we just have to trust him and some we just have to trust him with the mysteries that we don't get because he has the whole picture in this cosmic clash that's going on. I can give you some examples from scripture. Do you remember right before Christ died? He told Simon Peter who was going to be the rock upon which Christ built his church and he said, Simon, Satan has asked me for permission to sift you. Isn't that interesting? I think that's pretty encouraging that, that Satan has to ask God for permission to move one of his angels aside so his fiery arrow can hit because he's powerless against God Almighty and against the angel warriors that are protecting us. And so 
he has to ask permission and Satan does that because he thinks if that flaming arrow can get through, then he's gonna take us out of the game. That he's gonna wound us to where we'll never live wholeheartedly for God. And so that's what he thought, that's what he felt because he's not all knowing. And so Jesus gave Satan permission to sift Simon. And so that arrow came and it hit him right in the heart. It was an arrow of fear. And he had said, I'm gonna stick with you to the end, Jesus. I will never leave you. I'll die for you. And what happens when Christ is arrested? Peter denies Christ three times and leaves in shame. He denies he ever knows Christ. He curses and he leaves in shame. And he feels like that God is through with him. And Satan feels like he's won. He he feels like, You know, I've taken him out of the game and he's supposed to be the founder of the church, the rock upon which Christ will build his church. I've taken care of the church. Satan feels like he's won, but when Christ rose from the grave, he told the women there, hey, go tell the disciples that I'm alive. Oh yeah, and tell Peter. Tell Peter I'm not finished with him yet. And those words got to Peter and filled his heart with hope. And Simon Peter was not the same man anymore because when that flaming arrow of failure and fear hit his heart, it also took away all his pride. And that's what Jesus knew needed to happen for him to be the rock upon which he could build the church. When you're full of pride, you can't be full of Christ. When you're full of pride, you can't be full of the Lord God and his purpose for your life. And so Simon Peter was no longer full of himself, but he was humbly full of Jesus Christ. And he went on to be the rock. And so you see Satan's fiery arrows backfire on him if we just trust God and take those steps of faith and stand in his victory. And maybe you're going through sifting right now. If you're a Christ follower, you may be going through the sifting of suffering. It's good to know that Satan can't do anything to us unless Christ pushes back his angel. And He has a purpose, even though we can't understand it. If you're going through the sifting of suffering and you're going through pain and difficulties and and you're going through suffering and it makes no sense because you've been living for God, you've been doing the right things, you've been following God, you love God with all your heart, but yet you're going through suffering and problems and pain, just know in the sifting of suffering, God is sifting out all those things in you that don't look like Jesus Christ and you're becoming beautiful. God's refining your character. The most beautiful people I've ever met are those who've gone through a lot of suffering. And so that sifting of suffering joins Christ in his fellowship of suffering. And God has given you compassion for others like you've never had before. And he's gonna use you. God never wastes or hurt. He never wastes suffering. He takes that suffering and he uses it for his glory and for your good. Some of you are going through the grinder today and God, uh, Satan had to ask God for permission to allow the grinding pressures to come into your life because he knows that that will refine you and that will make you more like him. Or maybe you're going through the grinder of grief and loss where you feel like every day is such a fight you're not sure that you can get up in the morning, but it's in that grinder of grief where God is closer to you than he's ever been. That's where you experience God like you've never experienced him and you're never the same again. You see, there will be times of suffering, but it's so good to know that every time the enemy attacks, he's taken a great risk because he's given you 
and opening up an amazing opportunity for you to trust God like never before. He's opening up an opportunity for it to backfire on him and take you to the next level. He's opening up because he doesn't know the future. He's not all-knowing. He knows some, but not all, and so he wants to hit you where it hurts, but so many times they just bounce off every once in a while. God moves his angel back, and it hits you, and when it does, the enemy is taking a great risk because God's allowed it to take you to a greater place and a greater level. You remember the children of Israel, they got to the Red Sea after they finally were moved out of slavery by God's miracles after 450 years, and they're there at the Red Sea, and then the enemy comes after them, and it says God incited the enemy. God put it in Pharaoh's heart to come after them, and so they come after them, and they're trapped. They're at this dead-end place, and the enemy is attacking, and it looks like they're done, but then God opens up a way. They go through the Red Sea, and the enemy follows them into the sea, and then the waves crash over them, and the enemy they had for 450 years is gone forever. You see, sometimes God draws the enemy out, and when we trust him, he destroys that problem forever. He takes us through that situation, and he brings deliverance from a dead end. Sometimes God allows you to get to a dead end and the enemy's attacking and you would never wanna be in that place. You would never wanna be in that dead end, but the dead end is just the place right before deliverance because the enemy is taking a great risk when he comes after you because God can open up that doorway and destroy that problem forever. And so they never again had a problem with the Egyptians. I mean, that problem, that was destroyed, that was gone. Now they had a bunch of other problems that came their way because as long as we're on this earth and have a pulse, we'll have problems. But God uses those things to take us to new levels, even when we can't understand them. In Matthew 18, 10, it says, watch that you don't treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. You realize, don't you, that their personal angels are constantly in touch with my Father in heaven. Focus in on those two words, personal angels. This is where we get the term guardian angel from. The Bible says you have a personal angel or angels specifically assigned to you if you're a believer. That you have a guardian angel and probably more than one guardian angel. You may have two or three or five guardian angels who are specifically assigned to you to protect you, to watch over you. Those of you who are parents of more than one child, you know that one of those kids must have 20 guardian angels because they're always getting into trouble. It's like that kid's got 100 guardian angels. And it's true, you probably have multiple guardian angels that are specifically assigned to you, and that's so encouraging because when you're in pain, those angels are still with you. In good days and bad, those angels are with you. When you're afraid, that guardian angel or angels is with you. When you fail, they stick with you. And even at the moment of death, they never leave you. You're never alone because at the moment you die, they will usher you into the presence of God. That is so encouraging to know that you'll never be alone. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you and you have his angels of protection around you, in front of you, behind you, at the side of you. That's so encouraging. Be encouraged. 
so grateful God loves us so much that he assigns an angel, a guardian angel to watch over us at all times. So angels protect you and angels also direct you. In Genesis 24, 40, it says, the Lord will send his angel with thee and will direct thy way. Sometimes God uses angels to give us direction, to direct us. In this passage in Genesis 24, Abraham's son Isaac was grown and Abraham wanted him to find a good wife and he didn't want him to marry any of the women around them in the land of Canaan because they all worshiped idols rather than the one true God. So Abraham sent him back to his homeland to find a wife that loved God. And Abraham told him, he said, the Lord is gonna send an angel to direct you to your wife. The Lord is sending an angel to direct you to the perfect one for you. And Isaac found Rebekah, the rest is history. The angel directed him right to the perfect one for him. So you single guys out there, you need to get this. This means that maybe you don't need match.com to find your angel. You just need an angel to find your match. That's what it is. When you pray to God, this is so amazing, when you pray to God for direction, and I pray to God for direction and wisdom all the time, God, I need your direction, I need your wisdom. You know, show me what to do in this decision. God many times sends an angel to open up a door that could never be opened. God many times sends an angel to close the door, to redirect you, and I felt that so many times in my life. So pray for guidance, and God sends his angels. So how should I respond to what God wants to do? His angels protect me, they direct me, but how do I cooperate with these angel messengers and ministers? First, I need to open my spiritual eyes. You know, I many times don't think about the angels that are protecting me. I don't think about the angels that are directing me. And God wants to open our spiritual eyes to see all the resources that are available to us, that he has given us, and the battle that's going on all around us. I talked about a few weeks ago the prophet Elijah when he was surrounded by the enemy army. And they came and surrounded his little house and his servant went out and saw it and just freaked out and he came back and said, what are we gonna do? We're surrounded, we're outnumbered. And Elijah prayed, God open his eyes so that he can truly see. And then the servant looked back and he saw thousands upon thousands of angels, angel warriors with swords drawn, flaming swords between the enemy and Elijah. You see, if we could truly see what's going on, we'd be so encouraged. If we could truly see with our physical eyes all that God is doing for us each and every day, we would be so grateful all the time. But we can pray, God, open my eyes to really be sensitive to this, to see the signs that you're giving me, to see what you're doing for me, to recognize when the enemy attacks, that this is a spiritual battle, that he's trying to really attack my marriage or to attack my family or He's trying to attack my mind, and there's a real battle that goes on in our minds all the time. We're gonna talk about that. But God, open my spiritual eyes, because sometimes all I see is the enemy that surrounds me. All I see is the problem that I face. All I see is that giant that's in my path. But when I pray, God, open my eyes, I start seeing a little glimpse of how big and great God is. And that puts everything into perspective. Billy Graham used to say, the host of heaven stand at attention as we make our way from earth to glory. And Satan's BB guns are no match for God's heavy artillery. So don't be afraid, God is for us. I love that, Satan's BB guns, and that's what it's like. 
compared to God's artillery that's fighting for you, Satan just got a BB gun. That's exactly what it's like. It's, you know, angelic light is so much brighter than demonic power. It's like comparing the sun to a flashlight. So be encouraged because God is for you and he's fighting for you. That's so good to know that when you leave this place today, God's angels are surrounding you. When you leave this place today, God's angels are surrounding you to encourage you, to strengthen you, to bless you, and to direct your life. When you realize that, it really makes a difference. God, open our eyes today. One of my favorite verses about angels is Luke 15, 10. It says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Every time someone comes to know Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, there's a party in heaven, and the angels just celebrate. And the reason the angels rejoice every time someone comes to Christ, and when you came to Christ, they partied in heaven because you came to Christ. But the reason they rejoice is because they can't repent and experience the free gift of salvation. God created them to worship him. God created them to serve him instantly, right when they were created. And so they can't repent of sin. There's no need for them to do that. And so every time they see someone place their faith in Jesus Christ and his free gift of salvation and turn from their sin, they stand in amazement. They just are amazed at the salvation of each and every person who God wipes the slate clean and gives them this free forgiveness and a ticket to heaven one day. The angels celebrate in amazement. And if you wanna align yourself with the angels of the almighty God, not only should you open your eyes, but you should open your mouth and share the good news. Be a messenger like an angel. Be a messenger to the people around you of the good news of Jesus Christ. And what an opportunity to do that with our Easter services. You see, you can invite a friend to Easter. Do you know it's only three weeks until Easter? That's crazy, isn't it? Starts on Good Friday here, and our Easter services are always so powerful and so creative. And this year, it's all about coming back to life and how God's gonna bring you back to life because he's alive. And the winter is over. And the sadness is moving out because God's time of singing has come. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be really powerful. And if you get a friend here that doesn't know Christ, they're gonna hear the gospel and the good news. And, and so I really encourage you, invite a friend. In fact, we've given you these little invitations. And the reason we did this is so you could just give somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a coworker, just give this out. Give these invitations out this week and invite someone to Easter and join the angels in what they do, these angel messengers. And then you're gonna create some parties in heaven, some celebrations in heaven. Look at Hebrews 13, one and two. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Now, focus on that last phrase, entertain angels without realizing it. This is the guiding verse for our over 100 ministries and missions. This is why we minister to the hurting, to those who feel hopeless, to the homeless. The reason why we minister to the poor and powerless is because we may be ministering to an angel. This is the guiding verse for our ministries and missions at Woodland Church. 
We may be ministering to an angel and unaware of it. And that's why we're never to judge anyone for their appearance. We're never to judge anyone for their socioeconomic level because it could be an angel of God. And by the way, it says here, if you just show hospitality, if you just welcome a stranger, could be an angel. And that's why at Woodland Church, we have our welcome team. That's why we have people in the parking lot. That's why we have people taking care of the babies in the nursery and in the children's ministry and, and doing amazing things because it could be an angel. It could be an angel. And if it's not, it's a person who matters to God so much that he went to the cross for them. And so on Easter, I'm praying also that you won't just pray, God, open my eyes and open my mouth, but God will open your heart. God will open our hearts because we need every single regular attender to serve at one of our Easter services. We're having so many services. People are coming back like crazy, and we need you to serve either on the welcome team, welcoming people, and you may welcome an angel. We need people to serve these little ones that are little angels. We need people to serve in our preschool ministry, children's ministry. We need people to drive those carts out there. We need every single one of you guys to serve during Easter. And we've given you, as you walked in, a chance to open your heart. This is a, a little form here that you fill out and you can turn it in on your way out and you just check what service you're gonna come to, what campus you're gonna be at, and we're gonna contact you. And it's just being here like 30 minutes before the service starts, you'll get your assignment. And if you're breathing, we can use you in a big way. If you're breathing, and you're not breathing in pot or something like that, then we can use you, okay? Or, or don't breathe out and we can use you still. We need you. We need every single one of you. And God wants you to open up your mouth and open up your heart, and that's when you experience the life of Christ. That's when you come alive. Well, the angels of God minister to us. And we ought to be mistaken for an angel every once in a while. You ever been mistaken for an angel? I've run into many people at times who's like, that could have been an angel. Wow. When Jesus ascended to heaven, and when he, or when Jesus died on the cross and was placed in that tomb, an angel gave the most important message that's ever been given, and it changes us. In Matthew 28, 2, it says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to them, or said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. On the first Easter, an angel was there to give the most important and powerful message of all time. He is not here. He is risen indeed. He is not here. He's alive. And because Jesus Christ is alive, I have come alive. And because the tomb is empty, my life is filled. And because Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death and hell and Satan himself, I can stand in victory. The greatest message ever given was given by an angel. He is not here. He is risen indeed. And then probably the second greatest message was given by a couple of angels. In Acts 1, 10 and 11, 
After Jesus rose again, he appeared to his disciples many times. Many saw him after he rose from the dead. But then he ascended to heaven, and he disappeared in the clouds. And here's what happened. They still had their eyes fixed on the sky as he went away. When two men dressed in white suddenly stood beside them and said, Galileans, why are you standing there looking up at the sky? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you saw him go to heaven. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he disappeared in the clouds, but the disciples kept looking into the clouds like, wow, never seen anything like that. And then two angels came down and said, why are you staring at the clouds? This same Jesus who ascended to heaven, he's coming back the same way in the clouds. You see, that changes everything. Knowing that Jesus Christ is coming back with his angels in glory to take us home to be with him, we ought to live in the light of eternity because we know Christ is coming back. You know, everyone wants to get back to normal after the pandemic is ending and, and we don't know what's next, but everyone wants to, we always talk about, when is normal coming back? When is normal coming back? When is normal coming back? And then, hey, we're starting to get back to normal a little bit. It's so wonderful. Everything's starting to feel a little bit normal again. It's getting back to normal, and I started thinking, what was normal anyway? Normal for most of us was being distracted and having our schedules overcrowded with so many things that don't really matter, focused on the temporary and not the eternal, focused on our accomplishments and not our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationships with the people around us. What was normal? Just being stressed out and not really focused on what matters most. That was normal, so I pray we never get back to normal. God wants us to be better than normal, to have a new level and a fresh start, and that's what this Easter season is all about. Normal is never coming back, but Jesus is, and we need to be ready for him and to align ourselves with him, to cooperate with he and his angels. You see, the first time Jesus came, he came as a tiny, fragile, helpless, weak little baby born to a peasant woman in a filthy animal stable. And he grew up to become the suffering servant, to serve everyone. And then he died on the cross as that suffering savior. But then he rose again. And the next time he comes back, he's not coming back as that tiny, fragile, helpless little baby. He's coming back as the mighty warrior with millions of his angel warriors with him. He's coming back not as the suffering servant. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When he comes back, he's gonna take us with him. And if he tarries and you go to be with the Lord before he comes back or I go to be with the Lord before he comes back, we'll never be alone because his angels at the moment of our death will take us on their wings and carry us into the presence of God into perfect heaven. Be encouraged, Woodland Church. Be encouraged. Do you believe that? Do you claim that? Think about that angel that's with you right now. God bless you. Let's bow together and pray. Lord, I thank you for how encouraging it is that when we leave this place, we know that your angels are going before us and beside us, behind us. And we know that you love us so much that you've assigned angels to specifically watch over and personally watch over us. And we thank you, Lord, for how much you love us.
It's just so good to know that your angels are protecting us and strengthening us and blessing us and directing us. And we thank you, Lord, even though we still fight battles, you've won the war. Help us stand in your victory. But Lord, today I especially pray for those who have never received you. Lord, they don't have a guardian angel watching over. They don't, Lord Jesus, they don't know that they'll be in heaven one day and you want them to know for sure. So help them pray this prayer so that the angels celebrate, so there's a party in heaven. Help them, Lord Jesus, to just say this silently to you. Jesus Christ, I need you to save me. I repent of my sins. I need you to forgive me of all my sins. And and I want you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. I accept your free gift of heaven one day and salvation that I can never earn or deserve. And I want you to be the Lord of my life to guide me from now on with your angels and with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen me, bless me, and take me to heaven one day. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen and amen. Let's stand together, Woodlands Church, because he's not coming back as a tiny baby. He's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we need to live in the light of his coming as he's coming to take us home one day. And it could be soon, it could be today. When Chris and I started Woodlands Church with our family, Every time we would run into problems and difficulties and so many stresses, Lord, we need a miracle. I would always go to my mom and say, hey, we need a miracle. Would you pray for us? Because she was a prayer warrior. And she would always say, don't worry about it. The dread champion is on your side. And I was like, the dread champion? What is, where did you get that? I mean, I've heard of the dread pirate Roberts from, you know, from um, the Prince's Bride movie, but um, the dread champion, she was, you need to read the Bible more because it's in there in Jeremiah chapter 20. The dread champion is on your side. And so every time we go, I don't know exactly what that means, but I claim that. The champion is on my side. And I go back to her and go, Mama, like we need a miracle in this situation. Don't worry about it. The dread champion is on your side. I want you to know you don't have to worry about it today. The dread champion is on your side. And he is fearless, and he will give you faith even when you don't have faith. He's gonna hold you up. He's your champion. And he goes before you and behind you and beside you and he sends his angel army to protect you. Let's sing it to our champion and let's claim it today. And let's go out of here in faith knowing that he's on our side. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.